Isn't it wonderful to worship our Lord and Savior? I say that every week. Just you guys sound better every time I sit back there and listen to you. It's just so amazing just to praise our Lord and Savior. And um, We're in the book of Ephesians. We're going to get into our study here that we've been uh, looking at. But before we do, I needed to make this uh, statement. And church, I want you to know you make it easy to be your pastor. And I just want to tell you, we had yesterday a very large funeral here, and I want to thank you, church, for stepping up and loving on uh, Heidi and the family and all that you did and all the work that went into it. We tore down this side of the sanctuary, set up tables, tore it down again, put it back together. If you look closely, you'll see that there's eight rows on this side and nine rows on this side. Shh. That drives Pastor Dave crazy. Church, I just want to tell you as your pastor, I thank you so much for the heart of ministry you have and what you have done and what a great picture of Christ that is. So thank you so much for that and all of your work and all that you did there. And uh, what a blessing you were to uh, this sweet, sweet family. And we're talking about blessings today. We're talking about being blessed or... uh, how God blesses us. And we're looking at this epistle in Ephesians here of the Apostle Paul who is in prison. And while he's in prison, his circumstances are dire. His death is certain. He's on death row. The only way that he is leaving this prison is by losing his life. And yet as he sits in this prison cell, which he's under house arrest with the guards that are there, and we talked about that, He sits down to write this letter to the church of Ephesus, who uh, the several churches around the Mediterranean basin there as he sends out these letters. And what does he write? He doesn't write, I can't, you can't believe what I'm dealing with. You can't believe he wasn't complaining or upset or frustrated by his circumstances. No, he's telling them how blessed he is in Christ and how blessed they are in Christ. And I, this is three weeks now that I've said this, but as I keep going through and thinking about that, I don't know if I could write that down, right? I'd be like, bake me a cake with a file in it or something like that, right, please? But he does. He talks about the encouragement, about the blessings, and, and he encases all of these blessings in one term that he uses throughout the Scriptures. It's those who are in Christ or in Him. And we talked about the fact that those who are in Christ are those who have, by faith, repented of their sins, asked forgiveness of their sins, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and accepted Him as Lord and Savior. And last week we saw the blessings of that, of, of those who do that, who have that relationship from God the Father, and today we're going to see the blessings we receive because we have this relationship through Jesus Christ and the cross. And I believe what Paul is showing us here, right here in this section of Ephesians, is something very simple and something we need to hold on to, and that is this. No matter what life throws at you, if you are in Christ, you are blessed beyond belief. Do you believe that today? The world can throw a lot of things at us, but we are greatly blessed. And he started off with the Father and showed us that through the Father, the blessings of the Father that we have is the fact that our Heavenly Father, knowing that we were going to sin and and choose sin, designed from the foundation of the world a plan 
to save us. That through our salvation, we are secure because we are made holy and blameless in His eyes. And the result of our position in the family of God guarantees that we receive all the rights, all the privileges, and benefits of being a child of God. And what a blessing that is. That's from the vision of the Father. And now Paul wants to take us to what we see through the Son. Now, it's very important that I say this to you as we are breaking these things down for us to study. You cannot separate the Godhead. Do you understand? You cannot break up the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit uh, are one with three different unique uh, personalities or special ministries. But Warren Wearsby puts it this way, commentator, uh, I think he put it really well. He said, you should not think of each person of the Godhead working independently or that it works independently because they all work together to make possible our salvation, right? God works in unison together. But each person has a special ministry to perform, a special quote-unquote spiritual deposit to make in our lives. And we're going to look at the spiritual deposit that Christ makes in our life through Him going to the cross in our place. And so there's four amazing blessings I want you to draw from the passage we're going to look at today. And we find at the beginning of that in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 7. And we see our phrase again starting off uh, here, in Him, those who are in Christ or those who have been saved. For those of us that are in Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now that's a mouthful here. I want to unpack that for you today, show you these three initial things that he gives us. And the first one is this big word, redemption. In him we have redemption. Through Christ's sacrifice and his shed blood, we have been redeemed. And this word redeemed is a powerful, powerful Word. We don't use it that often in our language today, so let me really spell out what it means here, what this word is talking about. This word literally comes out of the history of slave trading. Okay, Now, slave trading was not good, not even in Bible days, but the reality was is that every culture has had slaves, every culture has had uh, people who... Uh, thought they could own others, and we know that's not correct, but it was a reality they had to deal with. And this word redeemed was, means to be bought back, to be bought back. The idea here was this, a person who was a slave owner or would purchase a slave would purchase the slave for the distinct purpose of setting them free. They would buy them out of slavery to let them go free. So their debt was paid, their debt was taken care of, the payment was given, and they were freed. And this is the picture of the cross. Isn't that great? Jesus paying for you and me, paying for us. What did he pay? He paid his life. 
Jesus gave his life, bearing our sins on his body as he hung on the cross, paying the debt that he didn't know, but the debt that we owed so that we could be made free. Literally, he bought us out of sin. We're freed from the bondage and the power of sin because of the redemption of Jesus Christ. Meaning this, as we, we looked at last week, but once again we need to be reminded, our sin cannot condemn us to hell anymore. If you are in Christ, if you have accepted Him as Lord and Savior, hell is no longer an option that's on your table. Isn't that good? It's been removed. You can't go there. You can't be there because you are in Christ and you have been bought by His precious blood. You have been redeemed and set free never ever to darken the doors of hell ever in your life. I hope you're smiling this morning. I hope, church, that doesn't doesn't just become as, well, that's normal, that's routine. That's, That's good, man. That's good. Do I have to say what I said last week? (laughs) Did I start off telling you I love you, right? (laughs) If you weren't here last week, now that I said that and now you're wondering what, what I said and how bad it was, it wasn't necessarily bad. I just informed everybody, just like I'm doing now, my preaching was much better than the way you were responding. That's all, you know, so... That's my opinion, professed publicly there. He redeemed us, redeemed us, paid for us, bought us so that we can be freed from sin and the penalty of sin so that we can be assured that when we leave this life, heaven is our eternal home. And in that process of redeeming us, the second thing that we see here is that He blessed us by forgiving us, forgiving us. Have you ever been forgiven? Isn't that uh, someone who is, you've done something wrong, you messed up really bad, you made a mistake and someone tells you it's taken care of, you're forgiven, don't worry about it any longer, and that weight is lifted off of you. Isn't that an amazing feeling? Now apply that to the fact that God says, I have forgiven you. I have forgiven your sin. I have wiped it away. The word forgiveness literally means this, to give up the right to punish. For someone's transgression. To give up the right to punish. I forgive you. I wipe it away. I know what you did wasn't good. I know what you did was bad. But I am not going to punish you for it. I'm going to let it go. Now listen. This in no wise implies that we forget or God even forgets our sin. But what this does tell us, and this is so good church, God chooses not to remember our sin anymore. Isn't that good? I don't want you to ever think that God is up in heaven as the old man that has memory problems. He remembers it all. He knows it all. He sees it all. But in His love, in His forgiveness, He chooses not to ever bring that up again. It's gone. I have forgiven you. In other words, God never uses our past sin to remind us of how bad we are. Rather, He sees us. He sees us as His forgiven children. Those who are in Christ are seen by the Father as His forgiven children. He offers 
this forgiveness through his amazing grace. And then I just love the way that Paul writes this because I think Paul and I kind of think alike too because he, he uses this term, lavishes it upon us. Do you know what that means, that he lavishes grace upon us to give us the forgiveness and the redemption that we have? Let me give you this definition. It'll be on the screen for you. It means that God lovingly, excitedly, and abundantly pours out his grace of forgiveness over you, over us. Those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The only picture I can have in my mind, you know that I love sports and that I love football, and this is the only picture I have. God with a big Gatorade jug. Are you with me? God with a big Gatorade jug running after you so he can dump it over your head and lavish you with the grace and the forgiveness that he has. I, I, just, I can just picture that. Siri got excited about that. Sorry. Meaning we're not forgiven a little. We're not forgiven a little. We are completely forgiven and restored. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we are completely forgiven and restored. We were once enemies of God. We are now his children, his forgiven children. Church, the next time Satan tells you you're a filthy sinner, remind him you're a forgiven child of God. Don't listen to his lies. I had in parentheses there, you can do this if you want. I, I said slap him, but, you know. In Christ, we've been redeemed. We have been forgiven. And as a result of that, God has revealed to us the mystery of his will. This is so good for us. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven for a purpose. The number one question in life that we always ask is this, the one that plagues us, and we've talked about this before, is why am I here? What is this life about? Is it just so that I get up in the morning, go to work, and come home and pay my bills, and that's all this is about? What is the purpose in all of this? And the Bible tells us that for those of us who are in Christ, the mystery of His will is revealed to us, or you are given purpose, divine purpose purpose because of who you are in Jesus Christ. You are here because God has a plan to use you, has a plan for you, and all of that comes around to build his kingdom. Listen to me very carefully. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, you are no longer a number in the world system. I don't know if you remember this or not. How many of you remember going to J.C. Penney's and for us, it was down in the basement, but you would go down to J.C. Penney's, and they had that red thing that was on the wall, and you had to pull the tab, and there was a number on it, and there was a little board behind there with flip numbers, and the number on the paper always said 199, and the board always said one, right? The world lumps you into being a number, but in Christ, you are a child of God. You are no longer a number. You are now a child of God with a divine purpose on your life to be used of God to strengthen the body of Christ and to build His kingdom by bringing others into His kingdom. In other words, this will be on the screen for you this morning, you have a purpose and you are very important. You need to understand that. 
You're not just filling a chair today. You're not just someone that's a number. You're not someone that's just walking through this world. You are not insignificant. You are a child of the King with a plan and a purpose and a reason to be alive. Amen? And these are the blessings that we receive here on earth. I've been bought. I've been forgiven. I've been given a purpose. But God also blesses us in the future. And Paul goes on to show us here again uh, in verse number 11, uh, this future uh, thing that we have again in Him, in that phrase, those who are in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. We have an inheritance. Now listen, we don't have an inheritance just from a loved one that we, we have here. I joke with my family all the time. We certainly aren't, aren't rich and uh, don't have a lot of money. And I joke with my parents all the time uh, in the sense that when they leave, our inheritance will be a list of bills. They promise me it won't be that way. But uh, my, my brother will probably get most of it, so I'm okay. I'm all right. Nothing me and my therapist aren't working out. We receive an inheritance. And there's two wonderful applications to this. And I really want you to get this because this is so special. This is so uh, amazing. First, we, listen, we are Christ's inheritance. Think about that. We are Christ's inheritance. And we receive an inheritance. Us being Christ's inheritance speaks to how much God loves us and how much you are valued to God. You are the inheritance. You are the prize. You are are who Christ wants. Have you ever struggled with someone wanting you or being wanted? Well, you're wanted by God. Christ died for you so that you will be in the family of God. With all the rejection that we receive in this world, isn't it amazing that God wants you? Isn't it amazing that God has purchased you with the most precious item, thing, person He has His Son? God gave His Son so that you could be in him so that you could be saved, so that you could be redeemed, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have a purpose, and now you can be an inheritance. But the result of us being Christ's inheritance is mean that we also receive an inheritance. Our inheritance is being with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for all of eternity. Your inheritance is is guaranteed. Your inheritance is your hope. Your inheritance is knowing that to leave this earth means that you will be with God forever, for all of eternity. And I promise you, sometimes you think, all of eternity, what are we going to do? It's going to be good. I promise you. It's going to be good. 
It's going to be better than anything we could ever imagine. I think that's why God doesn't give us so much about heaven. He kind of gives us a little bit about the details, what it's going to look like. He's preparing a place, stuff like that. Because I don't think in our English language we can write down how good heaven is actually going to be. You hear me? I don't think we can understand how wonderful and awesome eternity is going to be and how wonderful it is. But even more than that, even more than what heaven is going to give us, even more than any of that, the whole point of it is this. Our inheritance is that we will live with God. We will be with our Creator. Jesus in Revelation, Jesus, well, Jesus is Revelation, but John in Revelation said these words, quoting Jesus Christ, quoting what he said about heaven. And he says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. We will dwell with him, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Not just thinking that God is out there, but can you imagine looking at the great throne of God and know He is there? He is present. We are promised that. We are guaranteed that. That is our eternal hope because of the blessings that we have through Jesus Christ. Do you see how blessed you are? If you are in Christ, do you see who your identity is? We talk about all this identity stuff. Your identity is in Christ. This is who you are. That You have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. You have been given a purpose and you have an inheritance. That is you if you are in Christ today. That is what life is about. And so Paul concludes with this, that we should praise God. We should praise God. Why? If you put this on the screen for us, because through Christ you have been bought with His blood, forgiven by His grace, given a purpose through His will, and obtained an inheritance as a result of your new birth. When Satan tells you you're worthless, you tell him I'm a child of the King. And these are the blessings that I have received. So can I encourage you? Can I challenge you to go this week? Last slide this morning. Will you praise God for His earthly and eternal blessings? Will you leave here today and will you walk through your week praising Him because He has blessed you beyond measure? Say, oh, I'm not worthy. No, no one's worthy. No one's worthy. But this is the God that we serve, the God who in His own will loves us, the God who says, I want to have a relationship with you, a God who says, well, if you are not in Christ, which means if you have not received my Son as your Lord and Savior, I implore you, ask God to forgive you of your sin because we're all sinners. We're all there. We're all on the same level. Put your trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the best way you know, say, Lord, come and be Lord of my life. And when you are, you will receive the blessings we have in Christ. But if you have, and you have received the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, I encourage you this week to remember who you are in Christ and how blessed you truly are. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what takes place, no matter how bad we think things are, we are pilgrims traveling through 
We are on a journey. We are blessed of God. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are given a purpose, and we have an eternal inheritance of heaven being our eternal home. Give God all the praise and the glory. Will you stand with me this morning in God's house? I want to give you an opportunity to praise God, to worship Him before we leave. So I've asked the praise team to come again and lead us in the song that we've just learned today. Father, thank You so much for Your outrageous blessings. Thank You for Your grace and for Your glory. And we give You all praise and honor in Jesus' holy name. Amen.